The following message was recorded during the Friends of Israel 2011 National Prophecy Conference season. These meetings were held in Winona Lake, Indiana and Lancaster, Pennsylvania. For more audio resources from the Friends of Israel, visit us at foi.org. Well, again, it's a joy to be back with you and to be able to open God's Word. So take the Bible this morning and open to Revelation chapters 2 and 3. Revelation chapters 2 and 3, title of the message in this hour is The Church Rewarded. You know, uh, we're looking for the time when we're going to be with the Lord, especially at the marriage supper of the Lamb, but there's going to be a time when we're going to receive the rewards, and uh, rewards are going to be given out according to our service for Him as we use the gifts which God has bestowed upon us. In Revelation chapter 2 and 3, there are seven churches that are mentioned. And the seven churches are the things which are. In Revelation chapter 1, uh, verse 19, John was told, Write the things which thou hast seen. That was the glorified Lord Jesus Christ and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. The things which are now, or back then, were the seven churches. And there are seven churches here made up of, naturally, saved people who are born again, but there were unsaved people in these churches as well. In these churches, those who are born again are called overcomers. The word overcomer is the Greek word Nike. Uh, You can relate to that today. There's the Nike missile. I go back a little bit uh, further back in the days of uh, Michael Jordan in Chicago when I was living there. You remember there were shoes called Air Jordan? And he wore Nikes. Uh, If you look on TV today, you'll notice that most of the athletes have a little check mark on their shirt or their shoes or their sport equipment, and that means that they were purchased from Nike. Who was Nike? Well, in Roman mythology, Nike was the god of victory, of athletics, and war. She was pictured as a globe, woman standing on the globe with wings, carrying a laurel wreath in one hand and a palm branch in the other hand. So uh, the word overcomer is the Greek word Nike, and you can relate to today. Now, what is an overcomer? Well, an overcomer is not one who's working and striving to be able to maintain his or her salvation. That's not what the word uh, overcomer means. And the overcomer is not one who's a victorious Christian and trying to work hard to uh, maintain victory in Christ. The word overcomer... And the meaning of that word is told to us in 1 John chapter 5 and verses 4 and 5. And this is how it reads. 
For whatever is born of God, that means one was born of God at a time in history, and that is maintained throughout that individual's life. For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? So an overcomer is one who is born again at a time in history in the perfect tense that continues through their whole life. So you don't have to strive to be an overcomer. You are an overcomer if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, rewards are given to Christians for service, and Steve brought this out during his message. I mentioned it last night. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, it says that we all are going to have to appear before the judgment seat of Christ to have not our sins judged, but our works are going to be judged. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13, we're told that our works are going to be put to the test. And it says, the fire shall test every man's work what sort it is. And our, the fire is going to determine the type of our works. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12, it says, whether they are gold, silver, precious stones, hay, wood, or stubble. And so we're going to have our works judged. Now, Steve mentioned that uh, there are certain crowns. That's true. There are crowns. The word crown is Stephanus, and it means a wreath crown. And Steve mentioned uh, the other day that there were five crowns, the incorruptible crown, referring to self-control, crown of rejoicing, the soul winner's crown, the crown of life, those who endure trials of life, and especially martyrs, the crown of righteousness, one who leads a holy life and loves the Lord's return, and then the crown of glory, which is a shepherd's crown for those who faithfully shepherd people. It might be in the context of being a pastor who shepherds people, a missionary who shepherds people, or maybe you shepherd people in a Bible study or in your area or some type of ministry in the local church. So these are the five crowns. But in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, we have John revealing to us 15 other rewards that are mentioned through the seven churches in these two chapters. And even though certain rewards are mentioned in relationship to one of the seven churches, I believe they extend much broader to those than just in the seven churches, because in Revelation chapter 21, verse 7, it seems to be that we all are going to be blessed uh, with uh, certain rewards. So uh, there are seven points to the message in this hour, and I just want to go through these and whet your appetite to study them deeper in a more fuller way 
and you can see what awaits you, not only in glory as you receive a crown, but as you will come back to reign and rule with Christ on the earth and manifest uh, what you've been given. Now, first of all is the church of Ephesus, and it's talking about here the perpetual life. Perpetual life is point number one. And uh, those at the church of Ephesus said, to eat of the tree of life in the paradise of God. The overcomer is going to be able to eat of the tree of life in the paradise of God. Now, what is the tree of life? Well, in Genesis chapter 3.22, um, if one ate of the tree of life, they would live forever. But in that same chapter, you'll remember Adam and Eve fell, and in verse 24, because they sinned in the garden, they were uh, forfeited the right to eat of the tree of life. And you'll remember they were driven from the garden, angel put in front of the garden with a fiery sword so that they wouldn't go in and partake of the tree of life. If they went in and partook of the tree of life, they would have lived forever in their sinful condition. Revelation chapter 22 verse 2 tells us that the tree of life is in the new Jerusalem and believers will be able to eat of that. Now the paradise of God is going to be in the new Jerusalem and it's going to be on the earth during the eternal state. I do not believe the New Jerusalem is going to be on the earth in the millennial kingdom. I believe when we have the new heaven, new earth, then it will descend and come down and be seated on the new earth. And ones who are on the new earth are going to be able to partake of the tree of life. And we'll already have perpetual life and there will be something in the tree as we partake of it that will be able to give us, it'll be like a therapy, an enjoyment to partake of this tree. It won't be to keep us alive forever. We already have eternal life. Now, the second church is promised that they will be protected, and this is point number two, protected from the lake of fire. The overcomer here will not be hurt by the second death. Now, the first death is physical, but the second death is spiritual. And uh, those who uh, go through the lake of fire, I think uh, Steve mentioned this, or really into, not through the lake of fire, go into the lake of fire, they're going to suffer the second death, which is spiritual death, eternal death, and this is for the wicked. We who are part of the church are in the first resurrection, and those of us who are in the church in the first resurrection, as well as tribulation saints martyred for their faith, they're in the first resurrection. Old Testament worthies or saints, they're in the first resurrection. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 6, it says, they will not be hurt by the second death, which has no power over them. 
So those born again do not have to worry in any way. They're overcomers. They do not have to face the second death. Now, there is a uh, third provision for the overcomer here, and that is the provision of life mentioned to the church at Pergamos. There are three things that are mentioned to the church of Pergamos as an overcomer. First is nourishment. They'll be able to eat of the hidden manna in chapter 2, verse 17. What is manna? Well, Israel wondered what was manna, and uh, they called manna what? That's what it means. The Hebrew word what, or what is it? They didn't actually know what manna was either, but they sure enjoyed it. It had all the nutrients in it that they needed to sustain them. You remember, they took a double portion so they wouldn't have to go out and gather it on the Sabbath day. And so manna for us would speak of future provision after our life on earth. And Christ is the spiritual bread from heaven. We're told that in John chapter 6, verses 30 and 31, and verse 35. Uh, It's called the hidden manna here. And I believe that Christ is the secret source of spiritual sustenance for the individual. In some way, we're going to be able to feast upon the Lord Jesus Christ in eternity and grow in knowledge and be able to grow in wisdom. And as we feast upon Christ and learn even more of Him than has been revealed in the Word of God to us, we will be spiritually nurtured and strengthened And it'll be an eternal supply of spiritual sustenance for us. Wow, when you get into trying to explain this and think about it, uh, your mind just uh, explodes with ideas which this will communicate to us. We can't imagine what awaits for us in the eternal state and for the born-again overcoming believer. It's magnificent. And it goes on to say that there is a second thing here, a provision of life, and that is notoriety. He will give us a white stone. It says in the text, we'll give him a white stone. What is the white stone? Well, we're just not sure of exactly what the white stone might mean. It could be those, well, we know that in the Grecian games that those who One received a wreath crown, but they were also given a small white stone. It might be that it was a badge of appreciation, acceptance. Some believe it means that the white stone was like a ticket that would admit them into the theater or to a feast. It was something that uh, would give them recognition in uh, the public of ancient Greece. But uh, we will be given a white stone. Some might say, well, that might be a diamond. Well, I'm not so sure about that. But the, um, the third thing that is mentioned here, it says that uh, we're going to be given a new name. 
that no man knoweth except he that receives it. A new name. Well, if you don't like your name, uh, you'll, you'll probably enjoy the new name you're given. I don't know about you, but I like my name. I think uh, David Levy. What could I have that's any better than that? David, King David, and Levite, priest. And so I like my name, but the Lord says I'm going to be given a new name, a different name. Wow, don't you wonder what that new name will be? Well, you remember that last night we talked about that we are the bride of Christ. Uh, A bride today is given a white stone, which is a diamond. A bride today receives a new name. And a bride today enjoys a feast to commemorate the occasion of their wedding. Well, uh, we're going to have a new name of identity. It's going to be a symbol of acceptance, intimacy in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And wow, when you think of it, uh, we're going to be nourished by Him. We're going to be accepted by Him. And He's going to give us a new personal name that relates just between He and and you. I mean, that's going to be fantastic. Well, this is a provision for life to the church of Pergamos, but it applies to the overcomers as well today, I believe. Uh, The fourth church, you'll notice here, is given a privilege of leadership in chapter 2, verses 26 through 28, and this is the church of Thyatira. Uh, First of all, they're given a privilege of rule. Notice what it says. I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. The Lord Jesus Christ, in Psalm chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, Christ is going to rule over the nations. In Revelation chapter 20, in verse 6, it says here, that uh, he's going to reign over the nations with the overcomer. Uh, When it comes to ruling, we're going to rule over the Gentile nations, and I believe the Jewish people are going to rule over Israel. The Lord, when he comes back to set up the millennial kingdom, he is going to rule from Jerusalem, Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 17. But we are going to be ruling, as Rennie said, you remember Rennie's message, we will be ruling over the Gentile nations. And we will be given certain positions of rule. We're going to be in our glorified body. We're going to carry out what the Lord so desires. He is ruling with a rod of iron. That means he is suppressing wickedness. It says over in Isaiah chapter 65, verse 20, that those who are born in the time of the kingdom, many of them will live for uh, 1,000 years throughout the kingdom in their natural body. Now, there are four types of people who enter into the kingdom. There's going to be, first of all, 
Israel is going to enter into the kingdom. Those are the Old Testament saints, and they're going to have a glorified body. The tribulation saints martyred for their faith. They're going to be resurrected, have a glorified body. There are going to be the ones who survive the great tribulation, Jew and Gentile. They're going to be in their natural body and procreate. But we are coming back uh, to rule and reign with the Lord Jesus Christ in our glorified body, and we're going to rule over the Gentile nations. It will not be in that day uh, sinner or sin being manifested throughout the world like it is today. Uh, why? For two reasons. First of all, Satan is going to be bound in the bottomless pit or the abyss for a thousand years during the millennial kingdom. And so he will not be the prince of the power of the air and the demonistic spirits going out and tempting men to do evil. And the Lord is ruling with a rule of a rod of iron. He's going to suppress wickedness if it is manifested throughout the world. And it's going to be put down very, very quickly. And if somebody is put to death, a sinner uh, that dies at a hundred years of age will be considered a child. But we will be carrying out the rule on the earth and we will be throughout the nations. Uh, there's also going to be the right to receive the morning star. It says, we'll give unto him the morning star in verse 28 here. Uh, who is the morning star? I believe the Lord Jesus Christ is the morning star. Revelation chapter 22 verse 16 says he is the bright and morning star. The morning star comes before the dawn, and we are going to be able to experience Christ's majesty, His glory, His splendor, and it's given to all of those who are the overcomer. So in some way, we're given the morning star, we're given Christ that uh, is a manifestation of His glory in some unique and meaningful way. Well, to the fifth church, who's the church of Sardis here, it says that uh, a certain promise from the Lord is given, and that's chapter 3 and verse number 5. They are going to have radiant clothing, and we touched on this last night. He shall be clothed in white raiment, and the white raiment is a symbol of purity and righteousness and glorification. We said that the marriage of the Lamb before the second coming, we are going to be clothed in white raiment, and uh, it's a sign that we are pure and righteous without spot or blemish, mentioned in Revelation chapter 8 and chapter 19, verse 8 and verse 14. Just before the second coming, it says in uh, verse 14 that we are going to be on white horses arrayed in glistening, glowing robes, symbolizing that we've received our reward and we're uh, uh, 
covered with righteous garments or clothed in righteous garments. So uh, this is uh, going to be a glorious, glorious look as we mount that white horse to come back. And then there is a, a register that is mentioned here for the overcomer. I will not blot his name out of the book of life. The saved are going to have their names in the book of life. The believer is chosen from the foundation of the world, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, and our names are in the book of life. The unsaved will not have their book, their name, written in the book of life. And you remember at the great white throne judgment, the book is going to be open, their name is not there, and then the books are open, and they're going to be judged out of the books and found wanting. But uh, the unsaved, it says, that they are not written in the book of life. Now, Ephesians, I mean, Revelations chapter 3, verse 5, is very positive in the promise, and it says here, they are not going to have their name blotted out of the book of life. There is no way that an overcomer or a saved person would ever have his name blotted out of the book of life. Your name is written in the book of life. You say, boy, I'd like to see my re name recorded there. Well, maybe in the eternal state you will. Not now, but your name is there. I wonder if it's your name today or the new name that Christ is going to give you at that day. I don't know, but your name is not going to be blotted out of the book of life in no way. There's also going to be recognition. I will confess his name before my Father and the angels. Can you imagine that? Father God, who is in spirit form, who's omniscient, uh, knows everything created everything with the spoken word, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to acknowledge your name before the throne and God who sits upon that throne, the holy God of the universe. I mean, when you really start to think and contemplate on these things, uh, they're so high and transcend our thoughts that we can't even begin to understand what it all means. But we're glad it's there and it speaks to our hearts. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. Whosoever confesseth me before man, him will I confess before my Father in heaven. And right here it says again, I will confess his name before my Father and the angels. The host of angels are going to hear it as well. So we're going to have white raiment, we're going to be on the register of heaven, and we're going to be recognized by Lord Jesus Christ before the Father and the angelic host of heaven. To the sixth church, here's what he says. There's a permanent recognition with the Lord in heaven. And this is in chapter 3, verse 12, speaking to the church at Philadelphia. 
The sanctuary of God, it says here, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. The temple is in heaven. It's not in the New Jerusalem because uh, there is no temple in the New Jerusalem. Revelation chapter 21, verse 22. The Lord Jesus Christ is going to be the glory in the New Jerusalem. Now, it's going to be a pillar in the temple, and that symbolizes honor, support, strength, stability, and security. The Christian is going to be like a pillar in heaven, meaning uh, you're going to be stable and never be removed. If you're an overcomer, a believer who's born again, you can never be removed under any condition. Well, you're going to have your glorified body there. Your old sin nature is taken away. There is no more sin. But we're going to be mortalized and commemorated in the temple of God. Now, there are going to be a lot of pillars in that temple. And I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but it's speaking about stability. We're going to be safe from separation, as I just mentioned. He shall be no, he shall go no more out. There's a permanent place for the believer in heaven. John 14, verse 2, again, we mentioned this last night. I go to prepare a place for you. The place being prepared for us is in heaven. Psalm chapter 23, verse 6, David wrote, And I will dwell in the house of the Lord how long? Forever. Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39 says, Nothing shall separate us from God. I mean, when you go through things down here on the earth and you get down, the economy is bad. You wonder about what's going to happen to your bonds in the stock market. You wonder what's going to happen in other investments. There's no place to put it, we're being told. And uh, so if the default takes place on August the 2nd, there are a lot of Christians that are worrying about all that. When you start to worry and worry about your future here, we got a God in heaven who cares for us, who realizes we are an overcomer, who is able to strengthen us, and just feast upon the things he's saying to the churches in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. We are safe. We are not separated from him. We are secure in the Lord Jesus Christ, and as already been stated in this conference, he indwells us. God indwells us through the ministry and power of the Holy Spirit. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I mean, these things ought to encourage us and strengthen us during the times of, that we are going through difficult days. But uh, he says something else, too, here. Uh, we're going to have a special signature given to us. I will write upon him the name of. Now notice this. He's going to write upon us the name of my God. That's the Father. And having his name written on us shows ownership. 
He owns us. He owns us by creation. He owns us by uh, redemption. We're going to have the signature of the new Jerusalem upon us as well. That speaks of our citizenship. Our citizenship, we're told, Philippians is now in heaven, uh, but we're going to be in that new Jerusalem. We're going to be identified as such with the city on us. And a new name of Christ is going to be written on us too. And that speaks about the sign of intimacy and enduring relationship. In Revelation chapter 19 verse 12 says, A name written that no man but he himself. Christ has a name that only he himself knows. But I wonder, is that the name that's going to be written upon us? But the name of God, the name of the new Jerusalem, and the name of Christ is going to be written upon us. I wonder how that's going to look. Uh, You see all the people, even at the conference, uh, running around with logos on shirts. When I see logos on shirts on the rack in the store, I just pass by them. I don't want to advertise somebody else, and I don't want to have a logo written on me. I know there are people running around with witness of a nice logo, speaks about Christianity or Christ, but in that day we're going to have the name of God, the name of the New Jerusalem, and the name of Christ written upon us. Now to the seventh church, it says that a position is recognized, and this is the church of Laodicea. There's going to be a royal right that's given. Will I grant to sit with me in my throne? Uh, This is not the throne in heaven. Uh, Christ is seated on a throne next to the Father, God the Father today. He's our advocate in heaven. But uh, Christ is coming back to sit on David's throne. And by the way, Christ is not sitting on David's throne today in heaven. But he's coming back. And Luke chapter 1 verse 32 tells us that he's going to sit on the throne of his father David during the time of the millennial kingdom. Now we are going to also be with him in his throne. What does that mean? I've tried to grapple with that for a long time and don't know what it means, but I'm, I'm glad he to- told me it's in the Word, and in some relationship I'm going to be in with him in his throne. Uh, what, what a blessing that's going to be. It's going to be in the time of the kingdom. And then he says also to the church of Laodicea, to the overcomer, he'll reign and rule in or on my throne. This is a position of power and responsibility and authority. We're going to reign with him for a thousand years. Now, there are some other things that he tells us that the saints are going to do. The saints are going to judge the Gentiles. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. The saints shall judge the world. What all does that mean? Well, saints are going to judge the world. In some way, we are going to be a part of that. 
And Christians, it says here, are also, in verse 3, are going to judge angels. Can you imagine judging the angels? The angels we are going to judge. I can't imagine what all that means. But I'm glad that we're given these insights into the rewards that the overcomer is going to be granted because these are things we can look forward to. These are things we can take hope in. These are blessings that are going to be there for us. Now, there's a very interesting verse in Revelation chapter 21, verse 7, and I mentioned it already in the message. He that overcometh shall inherit, now listen, all things. Can you imagine? Whatever inheritance is out there, we are going to be able to inherit all things. You know what this tells me? There's much, 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 much more than has been mentioned here in the Word of God. Well, I didn't take time to do it, but you know to each one of these seven churches that uh, at the end of the seventh church and the mentioning of the blessing, it says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. Let me ask you, have you been listening or have you been saying, well, Mr. Levy, you know, I've read this and I've gone over this and yeah, we know this, we don't know. He that hath ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Are you letting the Holy Spirit to say this to your heart today? Well, have you been listening? I hope so. And uh, have you put on your Nikes? You see, you're a victor already as an overcomer. You are a victor, and I hope you wearing your spiritual Nikes as an overcomer. And I uh, read something recently. It was very interesting. He said, uh, uh, sometimes uh, we think we're old, too old to do it. That might be things in the area of spiritual things, using our gifts. So many times in the church we say, oh, well, I've worked in the church many years. Let the younger people do it. And uh, we're not too old to do it. <laughs> we ought to be using the gifts God has given to us in the body of Christ and exercising those gifts. Now, I should have been retired from the Friends of Israel long ago, let me tell you. But uh, I'm going to keep on and keep on as long as the Lord wants me to keep on. I'm going to do it. Do you remember what the Nike commercial says? It's very simple. Just do it, doesn't it? Let's take the gifts which God has given us. Let's take the insights which we've received from this conference and let's just do it. Let's get into the Word of God and let's study it. Let's gain knowledge and let's grapple with things we don't understand. And when it comes to using our gifts for Christ in these latter days, just do it. Amen?